1: New York, New York, I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep, and find I'm king of the hill,
0: top of the heap. Ah,
2: the chief, Cheech, Frank Sinatra, Cheech, of course being slang for Frank. In the Italian community. That song has a very special meaning to me, besides the obvious New York, New York, and I'm a New Yorker for 64, almost 65 years. I used to work in a bar called 2A, and the Yankees won their first World Series in 16 years. People were drunk beyond drunk in a good way, happy drunks, not asshole drunks. And there was about 40 people in the bar, and we won the World Series. It was 1996 I played I was at bartender I played New York New York by Frank Sinatra 27 times in a row and every time I started it everyone screamed and yelled shit up in the air and and then people came down from the stadium with stuff that they ripped off the seats and it was just great it was just amazing anyway welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and most importantly children of all ages to another episode in the amazing adventures of You Don't Know Dick, starring me, Handsome Dick Manitoba. Today, my special guest is one of my lawyers, that's right, Handsome <laughs> Dick Manitoba has many lawyers from many different subjects. This lawyer's name is Frank Rothman, he's also a buddy of mine, and uh, he defends people. He defends people who do wrong things he defends bad guys handsome dick manitoba bad guy we have bullpen betty sitting to the left of me the great the great bullpen oh frank say hi
3: hello
2: good to be here dick Dick. Dick, close in my don't worry just because it looks like a penis it won't hurt you
3: as long as it doesn't get bigger when i get closer (laughs) i'm fine
2: bullpen betty i found out this week is one of them smart broads she graduated college She's a Wolverine. University of Michigan. Whoa, Nelly, it's going to be a bond burner. Go blue. Michigan and Ohio State, right? Is yeah, that, that's that, the big rivalry. Is that your Red Sox?
4: Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I
2: hate Ohio State. Okay, I don't, well, good. And I have no idea why. Well, I just don't, now you know why. I just, I just hate him, hate him. And how can I forget my own son? The love of my life. Jake Koufax Manitoba. Say hi to the people, Jake. What's up? What's up? All right. The
4: the level of coolness is like very high in the room, only because your son is here. Otherwise,
2: well, it's good because we'll have a new language to right, decipher. Right, exactly. So, so and, far he's, we understood he, and he's and he's decked up, out in Yankees gear. That, so sup okay. yeah, I sup, yeah. Sup
3: sup is okay.
2: Sup. Yeah. I want to introduce. My engineer, Ricky Bones, that's my main man. Uh, Ricky, I can't say enough great stuff about him. Okay, so why do I have Frank here today? Why do I have a lawyer here today? I have, I have a lot of lawyer friends. I have lawyer friends that, that, that according to their own words, uh, represent billionaires fighting other billionaires, okay? That's not my, that's, that's nothing to do with my life. <laughs> Frank defends, you're a, what's the word? Lawyer, I, I have I fucking I fucking. I
3: don't know where you're going with this.
2: You're a defense I'm a, attorney. I'm
3: a defense attorney. Defense, that's correct. De- defense. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not I, a prosecutor. No, I should I'm think a of attorney. football.
2: Defense, offense. <laughs> you're not an I'm offense. I'm on attorney. the defense. Yeah. You're a defense attorney. That's me. And uh, I needed Frank one day because of a domestic dispute. Now I'm not going to get deep into this because I'm trying to. Keep it classy, because if I tell the whole story detail by detail, it's letting you into my household, into my family, it's talking about um, my ex-mate, it's talking about my son's mother, and you know, keep that to a minimum, just go through some generic stuff. But anyway, there was a domestic dispute, and uh, I got locked up for a little while, the better part of, uh, of a day, and all my life I had heard About these two things in New York City and they scared the shit out of me just because I was hearing about them the tombs I mean come on you're gonna die in the tombs. it sounds like something from Egypt where they're (laughs) gonna lock you up for 4,000 years the tombs and you're going through the system so I went through the system 64 years old I waited to mess up for 64 years I never messed up never been arrested I grew up in the Bronx in the 60s and 70s, Lower East Side, you know, doing all the bad shit that I did, and I never got arrested. So you messed up. You just never got caught. I messed up many times.
3: Okay. You said you never messed up. You messed up plenty of times. You just happened to get <laughs> caught when
4: you were 64. You
2: right. couldn't run as fast. All right. That's the interview's over. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, got to be correct here. You're right. I messed up many times. I just never got caught. That should be the worst thing you ever do in your life. Put it It, like that it's like richard nixon you know he messed up many times but then he got caught right you didn't get impeached though dick don't worry about it that's one dick that didn't get impeached but and i thank the good lord for this because i did have a number to go to vietnam and a letter and a number and i was gonna go and then at that time boom war ended I don't think I would have done very good at that age in Vietnam. <laughs> I, I, you I, had uh, flat feet; you couldn't have gone. <laughs> no, <laughs> <Rice>. you're left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> From the Bronx to the
4: rice paddy <laughs>
2: It's like Biloxi Blues, but like you know. So let, let's let's straighten something out because I want you to know that I am um, beside a gruff, loudmouth, egomaniac. I'm also kind of a sensitive human being. And that I am sensitive to the fact of the thing that we now call Me Too in America. Um, Many, 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 an unbelievable amount of women I've spoken to in my life have told me they were abused, either physically or sexually, as children by mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, next-door neighbors. Um, Obviously, the things coming out with Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. I mean, you you know, when you see a few things like that coming out, you know that that's the tip of the iceberg, and you know that it's, it's invaded our society. It's a part of our society, and people are coming out left and right. So there is such a thing as Me Too. But let's get something straight. When something goes wrong or comes to the forefront like Me Too, that doesn't mean that every crumb that's mildly associated with a man and a woman fighting gets swept into the big bucket of Me Too. That doesn't mean everything is the same. And in my particular situation, it wasn't. So here I am in the tombs. I get out. I talk to a uh, lawyer, the free lawyer that you used to work for. Well, uh, Right. I'm not a free lawyer. The organization. Well, legal aid. Well, legal aid it's, legal yes, aid I was a legal aid lawyer for 10 years. Yeah. She was kind of a cute Jewish broad, too, a little pierced nose.
3: You just, so in the span of two sentences, you went from me too to Jewish broad. Like you got to. You got to figure out which path you're going down and try to stay on that road. Um, they're kind of inconsistent.
2: Let's put it this way. To people who don't know me, I screwed up. To people who know me, they're laughing because they know that I respect women and that that's just me kind of kidding around. It's like my father. My father used to always say things like, "Like uh, hiya, doll. And I thought that was so funny that 40 years later, I still go, Hiya, doll. It was okay then. It's not okay now. What am I supposed to do? Learn the new book of, of you know, uh, you know what to say, what not to say? Yes. <laughs> you it's, not, yeah. it's
3: not that hard a yeah. book to learn.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Frank, everything you gave me, you're taking away right now. <laughs> I'll
3: give you some back. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> all right. So, I get to court. Now, all my life, I'm going to be scared. All right. I know a lot of the cops at the precinct that arrested me, and they were very kind. The way they arrested me, and how they did their job—they did what they had to do. And I was in the jail, and I was like, oh, so, "Oh my god, I'm in jail!" It was like hanging out with a couple of guys. I got like like OG props, you know. I was like, you know, this guy's got tattoos. He's an old time. He's been through the mill. I, it was just me hanging out, talking with guys. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys were sleeping on metal benches around the perimeter.
3: Nobody tried to rob you?
2: No. So so I didn't have none to rob. So uh, finally, I get to go to see the lawyers, talk to the lawyer, and then what scares me is the judge. Because now I'm in this little room where you and the judge and the prosecuting attorney, you have this whole legal way of life that's insular to the rest of the way society works yep. and if you don't know yep. the game and you're not used to it mm. it's terrifying intimidating well you
3: used a very important phrase there if you don't know the game mm. and i've said for years now it is a game you just have to know how to play it inside the courtroom is a game um so when you say it's a game. It, you got to know. You got to know the rules. You got to know how to play it. But it is a game in the courtroom. And to an outsider, it's intimidating. But to people who are part of the system, like me, it's just, just another day. It's just job. another game.
2: <laughs> I always made an analogy. Tell me if it's a good one. Go ahead. I got a car. I know nothing about cars. Mm-hmm. I go to an auto mechanic.
3: Yep. I just pray he doesn't screw me. Yeah, but there, <laughs> the worst that'll happen is you're going to pay some money. In court, the worst thing that can happen is you go to jail. No, but big you, difference. But you don't know what's you're, going on. You're at the mercy of someone else. Right.
2: Sure. And then she comes out with her robes. And, like, I've been in federal court with my friend who does the... He was doing me a favor in federal court. And I, I was like, David, how do you do this for a living? And he goes, how do you stand in front of 500 people in that today? And I, right. <laughs> it's what
3: you're used to, man. That's all it is. What arena are you comfortable in? That's really what it comes down to.
2: So my lawyer comes over to me, whispers in my ear, I didn't know that I'm that I'm dealing with punk rock royalty?" And I go, what? And she, and she points over to the uh, court stenographer, and I look up at him, and he waves to me. He's a dictator's fan. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> wow. Bad. Too bad the court stenographer wasn't uh, Right, the judge the judge had no idea who you were. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the court officers are handed papers, everyone's handed papers, everyone's relaxed. I'm not relaxed, I'm sitting there, like, terrified. And then the woman, you know, kind of threw the book at me for what I did. I mean, I guess it could have been worse, but uh, I I had to leave my house. I had to stay away from my um, mate of uh, 18 years. I had to do this. I had to stay away from my son. She didn't say I had to stay away from my son, but for all intents and purposes, it was hard to see my son, and, you know, I I, I cherish every day that I can spend with him. So um, that was it. She told me what i can do what i can't do they gave me paperwork and uh i was okay survival time you know i was i knew in my head the way i think there's a beginning a middle and an end to the story you're going to deal with the most difficult part right now it's the beginning you will be the turtle you will finish the race you will win that's what i told myself so now i'm going to shut the hell up because i've talked too much as though i was interviewing myself and yeah, this was great. Thanks for having me on. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Frank Rothman, attorney in New York City, is is an absolutely fascinating man on so many levels. And Frank, you're going to get to do a lot of talking now. Okay. Great. I'm going to go back. <laughs> and you're not getting paid for it. I'm going to go back uh, chronologically. Okay. Okay. You told me that you grew up in this neighborhood, in the East Village of New York City? Born and raised, Lower East Side. Wow. How far back does that go? Father, grandfather? Grandfather. Your grandfather, born and raised Lower East
3: Side. Grandfather, born and raised Lower East Side. Father, born and raised Lower East Side. Me, born and raised Lower East Side. And I'm going to say all of us within probably a half a mile for three generations. In fact, I don't know if you know this, the building that I currently reside in now with my wife and two small, well, not so small anymore, boys... um, that's the building that I was born and raised in myself. Wow. We moved back in after the birth of my second son. I was living on 4th Street, and we needed a little bigger apartment, and we found an apartment in the building that I grew up in. So I'm now back living in the building that I spent my first 15 years of my life in with my wife and two kids.
2: So you, you have that disorder that's a fear of open spaces, right, of leaving.
3: <laughs> Anything north of 14th Street is like upstate New York, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean yeah when no, I there's start, no reason to go up there
2: when I come down like 2nd Avenue and I cross 14th Street you're I, home I start breathing again yep I'm the same way I'm the that, same that's way that's fantastic so yeah. your grandfather you're talking like 20s and 30s your father 40s 50s. grandfather born 1900
3: had a pharmacy on the corner of 5th and A from 19 that
2: pharmacy with the swinging doors with the automatic doors on the
3: well <laughs> yeah in the 20s it didn't have automatic no, that doors pharmacy? that was my that was the Rothman family pharmacy yeah That's unbelievable. We had that pharmacy from 1920 to 1975, I think, until the IRS closed it down. (laughs) That's a whole other story, though. But yeah, yeah, we've been here forever.
2: So then, okay, now you don't have to talk about this or not. Because I can talk about whatever you want. I'm uh, an open book. I want to talk about your dad. Here's why. First of all, there's a 20-minute documentary. Correct. It's called. Can we curse? You can say whatever you want. It's called "Fuck You, Mr. Rothman." I read that interview about the "fuck you" part. Yeah. assholes? You know the assholes. Because I read some the right things about how well done it was. Yeah, it was. Okay. Very, it was really well done. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck you, Mr. Rothman. And for those of you that <laughs> don't know Jews, it's R O T H M A N, <laughs> and it's a twenty-minute documentary on my defense attorney. And it's to me, to me as a New Yorker, as a human being, fuck New Yorker. It's fascinating. So. You get a chance, get to know Frank, and he will tell you some great stories. Now, I'm big into Oprah moments, which means I go back into family. Do
4: we win a car? Oh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody gets a Xanax. Oprah Oprah was born January 29th, 1954. I was born January 29th, 1954.
0: Sally Haddock.
2: The veterinarian on 9th Street, whose husband owns Veselka, was born January 3rd. We all came out of the womb the same day, January 29th. 19th. She's a billionaire. <laughs> Sally Haddock's probably a millionaire, and I'm... A thousandaire? I used air? to be a thousandaire, <laughs> but I've dropped, I've dropped. You're a hundredaire? But you get to interview me. <laughs> huh? Look at that. That's the consolation prize for you. It could be a lot worse than not be, knowing. Man. Without knowing you, man, I don't
0: know where the hell I'd be.
2: <laughs> so... Um, so in other words the open moment to me is um I really am interested in who people are and where they come from and um I want to know you talked a lot in this a lot about your dad. Yeah. So in your own words whatever you want to say talk about your dad to me.
3: Wow. Um what did he do? <laughs> <laughs> well, he I mean, he went to Fordham Pharmacy School. <laughs> And so he was a pharmacist by trade. Yeah, want the good stuff. He was a pharmacist by trade. um, And then later in life, gambling issues took over his ability to function as a responsible adult, I'd say. And he he was a very sick, degenerate gambler who resorted to almost anything he could do to support a gambling habit. (laughs) And his pharmacy background came in handy. (laughs) We'll put it like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was into a lot of stuff and i was a part of it with him you know growing up i saw it all i saw the triple beam scale on on his dresser the mortar and pestle that pharmacists use you know filled with coke and lactose you know that's so did you think you should become a lawyer at that point well what happened was <laughs> you know you always you always look to your father for guidance whether he's good or bad or right or wrong that's your usually the most influential figure in in a kid's life and so He always spoke about his attorneys, and he had many over the years because he was arrested many times. Um, He always spoke about them in the most glowing terms. Those were the heroes. And so I wanted to be a hero. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a hero in his eyes. So the best way to do that would be to try to become an attorney. So I dabbled in his lawyer's offices over the years, and he helped me. (laughs) It's actually a very sick, funny story, but he helped me to get into law school.
4: Wait, we like sick funny stories. Can
3: you sure? <laughs> I'll give you a sick funny
4: story. <laughs>
0: <Don't> so,
3: <clears throat> excuse me. When I was in Fordham, I was a decent student, um, but I didn't do particularly well on the uh, on the what they call the LSATs, the admissions test for law school. The LSATs. Yeah, you go. The LSATs. Fordham in the Bronx. Fordham in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. I oh, went there. Wait, My father the, went there. My grandfather went wow. there. My uncle went wait, there. Wait, I'm
4: interested because. Vince they all, Lombardi.
3: Yes, they yeah, all went to the, the Catholics. They all. I was yes. going to say, well, the
4: Jew going to the Catholics? It was school. me and
3: three other three other me. people were part of the Jewish Student Union at Fordham <laughs> University, <laughs> the biggest group of schmucks or the smallest group of schmucks. You can about, <laughs> that lasted about a week. <laughs> um, was I was like crossing your, myself <laughs> in no time. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so you're a uh, uh, O, o Roth or I did, something? I didn't do particularly well on the LSATs and. My father <laughs> my father had a friend at the time, this is all true stories here, who was a prostitute. And she was very tight with my old man. She had a thing for him. And I'm pretty sure they had an affair. I'm virtually certain they had an affair for a while. And one of her clients was someone who was, I think, on the admissions committee or board of directors at the law school I went to. So... My father convinced her, the prostitute, to convince him, the client <laughs> slash board of directors, admissions committee person, to give me another shot at the interview and the test. And and armed with that opportunity, I was able to raise the grade, you know, five or six or seven points just enough so they could justify admitting me. And that's how I ended up going to law school. Wow. Two quick questions. Go.
2: In those days, I'm sure that the government... Um, stranglehold on dangerous drugs was much looser than it is today even though it's not even though it's still pretty loose today but in those days your father doing this your father doing that no one was checking up on him um i think he got arrested
3: once for drugs he got arrested once for dealing coke um most of his arrests were not drug related um so he never really faced anything significant He did have one heavy arrest, no jail time from that. Um, You know, his his occupation then aside from from selling coke was, and maybe you'll remember this, maybe you won't, he was into a thing called two-and-alls, if you remember (laughs) Mm. (laughs) two-and-alls. That face tells me you remember two-and-alls.
2: Red and-
3: Purple. Red and purple? Yeah, I believe so.
2: No, no. I
3: think so. Red and yellow, I think. I don't think so. I they, saw plenty of them in the house. I've read about it. But them. anyway.
2: Um, and the smaller version, second Spell old, it. He did, yeah. So,
3: you know, that's you know the kind of- You used to
2: call him Goofballs.
3: Yeah, that's the kind of shit he was into. That's the kind of stuff I, I grew up with watching that. You know, I knew what he was into. He he didn't hide what he did. He tried to once. It didn't work. Um,
2: I, I, not, yeah. to, not to interrupt. Go ahead. But to interrupt, um, I'm a recovering addict, and to me- a man who's doing all that stuff and his son knows about it would rather not do all that stuff and have his son think negatively of him so therefore he pushes away everything just to do all that stuff regardless of what happens and how his son feels about it because he's an addict he
3: well he True. was a gambling addict he was a, he was not a drug addict he was a gambling addict and so I mean I say this in the movie and I truly believe that he was a sociopath I don't think he cared about anybody other than himself in terms of what suited him was what he sought after and 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 what he it's really all he cared about no matter what collateral consequence or collateral damage there was. What did your mother
2: think at this time?
3: My mother worked nine to five she was very limited in her ability to understand the world and I think she was just happy that she was able to get married and this is gonna sound horrible but you know, she had several siblings who were all mentally ill, ended up in mental institutions. None of them really ever married. So I think on some level she was grateful that she was able to have a family, have kids, have a husband, had a job, was productive. And so she looked the other way. I mean, deep down, I believe she really hated his guts. Um, <laughs> but that but was she they, was
4: normal in her mind comparatively. Yeah,
3: she was normal. She had a family. And, mm-hmm. you know, he... He had his affairs. He was, I mean, it was a, the marriage was a joke.
2: Um, People rarely, according to my personal experiences, broke up in those days. Rarely.
3: Yeah. Well, if any couple should have broke up, it was them. <laughs> I mean, they were not suited for each. You know, he, he was a playboy. He went out all the time. I knew his girlfriends. I hung out with his girlfriend's sons. Oh, you know, like the most sick, dysfunctional
2: shit you could do to a kid. How did you maintain your respect and love for him when he did something that you might have thought even at that age was, quote, wrong, unquote?
3: You know, it's interesting because my moral compass was so fucked up because I was so into him as a father because it's the only game in town. It's the only dad I had. So that's the guy I looked up to. and. My mother acted as if she didn't know anything that was going on. My older sister, who's three years older than me and really had her shit together, would talk to me and kind of in some fashion ingrained in me more of what's right versus wrong than he ever did. So I was torn between knowing what was right and wanting to distance myself from them and from him like my sister did, but also wanting to hang out with him because he was – somewhat cool when he wasn't being a sociopathic asshole. He was, you know, a cool guy to hang out with, like like something you would like. He knew a couple of the ushers at Yankee Stadium. You know, so we would go up there and not have to pay for tickets, he would just sneak into a game, he'd, you know, he'd get his seats. I mean, it was always an angle, it was always like something out of Goodfellas, it was always a hustle. He was like it was, an Italian. He wished he was an <laughs> Italian, yeah, yeah, he really did. Um, hung out with all of them, you know, admired the wise guys, wished he was a made guy, you know, I mean it was it was like a Bronx Tale, sort of, except the father in the Bronx Tale knew right from wrong and followed it, you know, he, my guy, he didn't, he didn't really care, he did what was right for him and there was no separation of you know father son it was like we were buddies
4: Mm.
3: that's the way he treated like he treated me like I was his buddy rather than his son um yeah you're looking at your son but I get the feeling you know where to draw the line you know he didn't he didn't and so I was exposed to a lot of shit that I shouldn't have been exposed to um but that's uh that's the driving force behind why I went to law school
2: Yeah cuz that would have that's a pat on the head from dad and it was tough to get that and yes yes and that was needed, a pat on the head you need that we all we all have a drive i think an inherent drive to have our parents love us sure and um, maybe it's a deep question a personal question but um like you said, yeah, I knew he was a schmuck, but you know, I like this, this, and this, and like he was my father's—the only game in town. Like, does that mean you have to love him because the word father? Like, I- I'm a firm. believer. I wrote a song. I don't but, know that I loved them. I don't. I didn't say I loved them. I don't know that I loved him. I don't know what that really. You know. Well, you had a drive to want his okay, to to, to want his his. Uh, I wanted uh, his, approval. his approval.
3: I wanted to be a good kid. I wanted him to. Be proud of you? Be proud of me, yeah. of course. But, you know, did I love him? But what the hell does, does love that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. I
0: want to know what love is!
2: <laughs>
3: I want you to show me.
2: No, I don't <laughs> know. Like I, d- I don't know. It's interesting dichotomy. I don't know the answer Between a drive you had where you needed your father for A, B, and C, but you also realized that, you know, he didn't have a lot of things... That you would respect from a father, correct? That's correct.
3: That's correct. There were no 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 role. Next model witness. For me.
2: <laughs> he wasn't
3: a role model. <laughs> he wasn't you know the kind of father, the kind of husband, the kind of man that I aspired to be when I grew up. When I was a kid, I thought he was really cool, but as I got older, and I realized how he was treating my mother, and I guess when I was old enough to know better is when I realized
4: like. I'm a a, little conflicted
3: here. Maybe you you
4: became a lawyer to defend the kind of people that you realized that your father was.
1: Yeah,
3: I mean, that's possible. Let's let's do some
4: pop psychology. It's possible. (laughs) I feel
3: like I should pay you for this session. Um,
4: (laughs) Okay. It's possible. (laughs) I just, you know,
3: I um, I like the system. I like the game of the system. I like helping guys that have fucked up. To get straightened out, even though it means guilty people are going free, like I, yeah, there's something about that that I am truly attracted to, and maybe it has something to do with my father. I really don't know.
4: I think it does.
3: You know, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I don't really. I've been to but enough therapist. What, so
4: what years did you uh, grow up in the Lower East Side? What was the? I was
3: born in '59. So, so what was really the neighborhood
4: the, like uh, then?
3: Rough neighborhood. Um, my friends from junior high school were not allowed to, because I went to a junior high school. On 20th Street? Yay,
2: junior high school. Junior high school, 104. The hell with middle school. Middle school? What's middle school? <laughs> middle school? Never heard of it. I, know, it's like I, I had middle like, school you like, know, suburbs. You basketball? When I when basketball? When I smash the ball down, what I call it? Stuff? They call it snuff. It's stuffing. Snuff yeah, it's is stuffing. like when you kill somebody. That's, <laughs> that's snuffing. You yes, stuff yes. somebody. Yeah. It's, called, it's called a muff. Oh, it's called a muff. A muff, a muff is what a girl else. wears to keep her hands warm in the room. <laughs> oh, oh, there's God. a lot I'm of in the muff,
4: but anyway. Um, so it was, it was a, r- so this neighborhood, neighborhood was in a different a way, a lot
0: of minorities,
3: yeah. a lot of crime, a lot of heroin. Um, I was, you know, my nickname was white boy in, <laughs> in grades, public school as we called it, but that was, I guess you well, call it great Spanish. School yeah. A lot of Hispanics. Um, they called me white boy. Um, you know, people, my friends weren't allowed to come down here because their parents thought yeah. like I was crazy for living here and they were going to get mugged. Uh, you know, but for me, it was home, so I didn't give a shit. I right. got, you know, I got beat up once, maybe, in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I mean, but the neighborhood was rough, except I was so used to it, it didn't seem rough. You know, it's it's just the way it is. It's all you know, right. so it's not that big a deal. Nothing to
2: compare it to. No, right. no, no.
3: I mean, now it's, you know, <laughs> $1 Disneyland? million apartments, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, here's what we do. This was a nice amount of talking. We're going to continue with my attorney, Frank Rothman, and he's become my friend. Uh, I want to go back a drop, tell a little bit more of the story. Then I want to talk about a song that I love. And then I want to get back to Frank. Is that okay with you, Mr. Bones? Ricky Bones, baby? I love that name, Ricky Bones. (laughs) Sounds like a fucking uh, mob hitman. Yo, just get Ricky Bones, he'll do the job. Okay, so the way I found Frank, going back to the beginning of the story to deal with my domestic dispute was i started by what us jews usually do freaking out <laughs> you know what i mean like we we i thought we, we usually get sponge cake and that's how <laughs> we decide. to I, nah, I do better than this rugelach <laughs> yeah oh well jake what rugelach you like strawberry raspberry yeah i think raspberry don't give me strawberry come on raspberry okay. i don't like chocolate nah. <laughs> all right yeah we'll work on them well you know what i do i get Pepperidge Farm. with orange and chocolate in the middle, put it in the freezer. Then I get vanilla ice cream with chocolate chunks.
3: All right, you're not Jewish.
2: Then I let it out (laughs) of the freezer, and when the ice cream gets soft, I scoop up the ice cream with the cold cookies, the snap of the cookies. Is
3: that how you lost all the weight you were talking about?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I went in for my third (laughs) (laughs) step. So um, I go back just a drop to let you know um, how luck, luck, I think, is so much more important in life than any other aspect. Everyone says you're in control of your own destiny. If you do this, you do that. You can do whatever the fuck you want, and then wind up with cancer. Okay, you know, my I, I buried my cousin with a horrendous. The it's hard to say the most horrendous disease. All diseases are horrendous. I'm not going to talk about it, but she died with the most horrendous disease I've ever been close to. Okay, what was that? She lived a wonderful life with wonderful children great job, great mother, great wife, and died of this horrendous disease. This horrendous disease, that's that's bad luck. What else is it? So my luck was I'm in trouble, in trouble like I've never been in my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. Maybe it's the universe, all right? I'm not a big God guy, except G-D. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's the universe, but I go fuck, fuck, shit. What do I do? What do I do? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jake had a friend in grade school. He played in the playground with him, and his father was a defense attorney. I gotta find him. I think what, Jake. What was your friend's name? It's Frank. Was the father's name Frank? Somehow, wait. Did you? Did you? By the way, so this is my ADD. Did your father own the one on Second Street and Avenue A 2 That pharmacy?
3: No, not only gone. Fifth and A. Okay.
2: They moved. Um, okay, so I find Frank. I tell him my story. I tell him who I am. And he knows who I am because the kids played for years together in the playground. And, uh, and instead of looking around and asking questions, I, I found a guy from the neighborhood who was a, a, a pal and a, a father. And we... Knew each other to a degree, not... A
3: pal and a father. He didn't even know my name. Come on.
2: Well, come on. We, I mean, I didn't call him up for Chinese food and that the fuck, you know what I mean? But uh, I did. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't keep, wait. You couldn't wait till we got off the air, could you?
3: Wow. Good shade of red on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I got a hold of Frank, and uh, all I can tell you is this. Frank did the right thing by me. He... Took care of me, and what I mean by took care of me is, is
3: legally and emotionally.
2: He, he actually did. He actually he took care. He actually cared. And when someone does something, this guy just did a website, handsomedickmanitoba.com Check it out. Um, and he cared. I said, you know what's good about you? You're autistic, but you care. You really care about what you do. And Frank really cared. And I felt I'm in the best hands handsome dick manitoba you don't know dick is the podcast and i will prove to you There's a few things uh i talk about i try to talk about on every show and i call it piss to capacity ptc like not really pissed like you want to kill somebody but last week i went through these things i'm just going to ask you for one because i went through these things and i you know i don't want to go through them again i'm going to just list them this is what Pisses me off for whatever reason. Okay. The main reason is because I am who I am. Let's go. White boys with shorts in the winter. <laughs> my, my does that coll- bother
3: you? I mean, my college-age son does that, so it can't bother me too much. My older son wears shorts in the winter. He's a white boy, and he is, wears shorts.
2: Is he sho- is he sh- is he showing his new ink on his calf?
3: Not in the least bit. <laughs> I think he just doesn't like the way clothes feel on his legs. <laughs> We wear shorts in the wintertime. So right, I'm not with you on that one.
2: Go you'll ahead. You love your son. All right. How about you go in to a counter and somebody turns around and hands you a slice of pizza and there's a tip jar there?
3: Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> I agree. But I'll put money in anyway
2: just because I'm that guy. But yeah, it's annoying Guilty as well. I know. Yeah, okay, I know. Uh, uh, Citibank, which I'm not bragging about, a member of, bikes. Thousands of them and thousands of them. Ugly. Not on your life. And everyone who rides them doesn't know how to ride them, and they're assholes. Asshole? Well, place.
3: so, of course, my wife rides city bike. and
2: Except your wife. <laughs> right, thank you.
3: So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, you have a bike in the city. You, you shouldn't be on your fucking phone riding your bike. Um, for the most part, people on city bikes, I find, don't really know how to ride in the city. It's not meant for New York City. Um, You know, go do that in suburbia somewhere. Sorry. But I'm with you on that. Yeah, not a big fan of city bikes in the city.
2: One thing I always tell Jake, and I never, ever, ever one out of fifty thousand bicycles that pass me by, I used to ride a bike in like except for ice, I rode a bike twelve months a year. Everywhere, all over the city. And I just went, when I'm behind you, I went left side. Yeah, sure. Right side. Courtesy. Left side. If you say left side, I'm going to move over to the right. They go flying by you but inches if, away.
3: If you're talking about bikes and city bikes, how about the electric bikes and yeah. the assholes that ride those at you know, 30 miles an hour?
2: Are those electric or those have uh, batteries? Same thing, right? Yeah, it's so like the, electricity the that's
3: ones. battery supplied. Yeah.
2: Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Dick. I mean, I'm easily confused. <laughs> they
3: don't have a long extension cord. <laughs> the, the, it's how about the ones
4: with the hamsters running in the little wheel? Is that what...
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right I'll stay away from uh, what else you got on I'll your stay shit away list from chemistry
4: what else you got on your shit list there
2: okay S banks batteries left right I mean that's it I don't
4: really uh, like white boys in shorts even in the summer but maybe that's
2: oh you know what I hate <laughs> you probably wear these Big, ugly, stupid men's toes sticking yeah. out of Birkenstocks. Agreed.
4: Never in your
3: fucking life. Good. No chance. You know, you can no, ne- no you, real you can New go Yorker. In for,
2: you can go in and get your toes done. No, no,
3: no. And no I don't no, care. No, no, I don't brainer. I want to look
2: at men's nope. toes. Ha- nope.
4: Hairy toes. Ugh.
3: <laughs> Not a fan of Birkenstocks on anybody, men or women. The
2: hairy toes. The
4: hairy toes. That's good. You're
3: really you angry mean? about that, huh? Angry about you're re- what? About the Birkenstocks. You're really pissed oh, off about that. And Birkenstocks. Yeah, that's, that's healthy. Double. It's healthy anger. It really is. It's
2: a double. No, Birkenstocks is a double. I'm, I'm with you on all of those, Dick. I'm surprised. Okay, we got this. We got that. We got this. We got Forget About It. All right, that's the that's all the, 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 the that for that. That's Here's it? I'm sitting. done? No, you're not even out of here for a while. All right, so once a week, I want to do a song that means a lot to my life, a song that it could be 20, 30, 40, 50 years after I heard the song. For example, I took a wonderful trip up and down the state of California, staying at friends' houses with my son, Jake, And what car was it, a Dodge... It was a, it was a Dodge Charger. Dodge Charger. Ooh, Ooh. Oh, a vintage cool, right? or a newer one? No one, it was uh, 2016. Uh, so, nah. so I have a friend who's a, who's a state uh, judge in... Um, Fresno. Fresno. So we meet for steaks with him and his brother, who's a lawyer. His, he's, he's, a, he's a lawyer, he's a defense attorney. He goes, I don't make the no friggin' money. You ever see that big sign, 888, 888, eight, 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 car exit? That's where I make my money. Mm-hmm. So his brothers, this, we played with them as a band. His brother's this long-haired Republican, I think, attorney, who's just a great guy. I love the guy, I don't care what political uh, affiliation he's, uh, he's with, it doesn't matter to me. So I say, yo, man, I broke the Manitoba family speed record. I hit 120 miles an hour, and he's shaking his head. I go, what's the matter? He goes, Richard, Richard, first of all, they wouldn't have pulled you over. They would have just put handcuffs on you. (laughs) Second of all, they would have thrown a second thing at you immediately for child endangerment. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'll never do it again.
3: (laughs) You're about to say something about a favorite song.
2: Yeah, we're going to do the favorite song. (laughs) Can (laughs) I guess? No, it's not my favorite. It's like, okay.
3: A song that means something to you.
2: M- means a lot you know the song
3: no I don't but we, given the fact about it given the fact that you have me on this show and we've it's a song that means a lot to you don't cheat no I'm not gonna cheat I'm gonna guess but we talked about it before you didn't talk to me about it. you're getting you're old
2: in here and we were talking about setting it up the
3: song that I'm gonna guess that yeah. probably means the most to you not the most since, well There's, means a lot to you yeah. and having me as your guest today is uh, Billy Joel I'm an Innocent Man
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, got you
3: that was a long setup for listen, nothing, listen, man. Here's the thing go I ahead. said
2: to people when they said, well, what's your show about? Because it should be about one thing. I can't have it about one thing. I can't it's have it about It's your ADD sex. kicking in. I I, my show is about... I'm 64 years old. I've lived in New York City my whole life. What I do you mean? you were 65. I'll be 65. Go, oh, go, 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 okay. Will,
3: good Lord. Will I'll it. be presumptuous now.
2: Um, <laughs> that's right. Hopefully. <laughs> I, I can't have a show about one subject because... I've traveled the world, I've been in rock and roll bands, I've gotten through some real bad times. you know, I have so many stories about uh, baseball and UFC and girls and sex and rock and roll. And so what am I supposed to do? I have to say, this is a rock and roll show. This is a sex show. This is a dating show. I, here's my lawyer. It's a L-
3: smorgasbord.
2: Last week, I had the great Bob Gruen, the rock and roll photographer. This week, I got my lawyer. It's a show about life. It's a show about everything. It's a show about a guy who lived in, in New York City for 64 years. Just like Seinfeld was a show about nothing, I'm a show about everything. Okay, so once a week, what I'd like to do is pick a song out that, you know, rock and roll changed my life starting in 1964 with the Beatles, okay? Beatles, the greatest band ever. You you can't understand what it's like to be 10 years old and the Beatles hit, okay? So since then, there are songs like I'll wake up and go, that's my favorite song ever. (laughs) Then two days later, that's my favorite song ever. So along those lines, I'm going to pick a song each week. I'm going to talk about it or read a review about it uh, that is a beautiful review and play the song and uh, that's it and this week's song is the night they drove old Dixie down there are many versions of it Joan Baez who I personally I get a vote in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I personally voted Joan Baez into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I thought she was a very important very influential very talented musician however I'm pissed off because Levon Helm is a god to me an absolute god and the fact that Joan Baez it's not anyone's fault it's not Joan's fault she had a bigger hit than the band is fucked up (laughs) Joan I don't blame you anyway ladies and gentlemen From the great Martin Scorsese movie, The Last Waltz, this is The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. (laughs) ¶¶
1: itself. It's a time What you need, and you leave the rest. But. Day- d <laughs>
2: Night they drove old Dixie down, the great Levon Helm playing drums and singing, a god to me, one of my top 10 favorite bands of all time. If the band aren't one of your top 10 favorite bands of all time, you're a straight up asshole. If your nipples didn't get hard listening to that song, <laughs> you're not alive. And a quick story about <laughs> Levon Helm I, I rented a house in Woodstock, New York, and with with my my ex, and and baby mommy, and Jake. And uh, we went to visit friends of mine who lived down the road from Levon Helm. And Levon used to have, for like 60 or 70 bucks, he'd have his living room full of people, and he'd put on a show. And I picked, like, I'll spend $1,000 on a gift. And of all the times in my life, to pick a time to be a cheap, I don't want to say it because people get mad, you know Mm what? I I, I mean it would have been something forever one of my all-time favorite musicians and he died and it's like It's like I want to go back and and go in there for you know 65 130 bucks and that hundred thirty bucks, you know dissipates into thin air and I didn't do it and I feel bad anyway this week. I have a song this song this week I mean this week I'm using this song next week. I have another song which I'm not gonna let you what it is Let you know what it is, but I want to read something about this song And it's one of the most beautifully written songs one of the most beautifully written pieces about a song I ever read next week I'm playing another song which is the single most beautifully written piece about a song this one is from Ralph J Gleason on the 1972 review of the band of the Brown album which was their second album the eponymous album it's called the band take the night old Take the Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, a Civil War song sung by Levon. Said Robbie Robinson, I aimed it right at him. I wrote it for him. He gets to say it all. It is the story of a rebel soldier who served on the Danville and Richmond Railroad, which supplied Richmond during the war and which was cut several times by General George Stoneman's Union Cavalry. Virgil Kane is the soldier's name. And the song builds. Story of the winter after Appomattox, lean and sparse like a Hemingway short story. Nothing that I have read from Bruce Caton to Douglas Southwell Freeman. (coughs) I'm sorry, I gotta get rid of that. I had to get rid of that. You want me to start that paragraph again? Nothing that I have read from Bruce Caton to Douglas Southall Freeman, from Fletcher Pratt to Lloyd Lewis, has brought home to me the overwhelming sense of history that this song does. The only thing I can relate to at all is the Red Badge of Courage. It is a remarkable song, the rhythmic structure, the voice of Levon Helm, Levon Helm, and the bass line with the drum accents, and then the heavy close harmony of Levon, Rick, and Richard Manuel, in the theme make it impossible that this isn't some oral tradition material handed down from father to son, straight from that winter of 65 to today. It has the ring of truth and the whole aura of authenticity. Yet after playing the album a dozen times, I began to feel that Dixie was an obvious song, the superficial standout number on the album. And I acquired other favorites, but I kept coming back and coming back until now I am prepared to say that depending on one's own mood, these songs stand, each on its own, as equal sides of a 12-faceted gem, the whole of which is geometrically greater than the sum of the parts. He's basically saying, He doesn't think there's a song in history that feels so accurate and takes you back to a time with such specificity and such power and such accuracy as the night they drove old Dixie down. Wow, my nipples are hard just listening to you talk about it. Did they? They stayed hard. No, they they just stopped. (laughs) All right, so that's my song for the week. I got a great one coming up next week, and the thing that the review next week is like. I might read it twice, it's so good. (laughs) And I didn't write it. Where we going with my lawyer buddy over here? You know, I'm gonna take it. Leshko's? What's that? You wanna go to Leshko's? (laughs) they're not open anymore. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Leshko's. Oh, I know what we're gonna do. We are gonna talk about, okay, so let's talk about sort of Tie up this story. Uh, I think we'll just tie up the story with Frank and uh, and uh, see if he has anything extra to say. And Frank, by the way, um, is uh, studies um, martial arts. You study what?
3: That's yeah, a stretch. I like the kickbox to stay in shape. That's kind of it. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll throw like... an occasional elbow, but it's mostly <laughs> kicking and punching.
2: You remember that fight where what's his name? The, the, he used to be the old goat. Um, from South America before he got tested for steroids Anderson Silva mm
0: mm-hmm.
2: he in he, 10 years ago he fought like the middleweight champ 15 years ago and he got him around the neck and he kneed him like 12 times in a row until the guy just fell like a tree I remember that fight that was amazing so you just you know you just you know throw, I gotta, yeah I do something throw, to stay in shape Throw punches throw kicks get your cardio going I get
3: my heart rate up I learn how to defend myself um, do you go in the morning no, I go after work. After six, work. seven o'clock.
2: Okay, I thought maybe in the morning you get your blood going, get ready to,
3: to. Nah, I walk the dogs and drink a lot of coffee. That's how I
2: get my blood going. So my my thing about uh, my particular case was uh, it went to court three times, and um, Frank actually uh, had an Oprah moment with me, unbeknownst to him. He brought a tear to my eye because uh, I don't turn on my cell phone until I have a few sips of coffee because it's too painful sometimes. But I had two sips of coffee, turned on my cell phone, and Frank goes, I get something from Frank, and he goes, we win. You're going to plead guilty to disorderly conduct. Now, outside of New York State, my belief is in a lot of states, it's a um, misdemeanor.
3: Disorderly conduct in New York State in is New a state, violation. It's yeah. a violation. It's not a crime. It's a little more serious than a parking ticket.
2: But why is it a misdemeanor in some states? It just is.
3: It depends on what the element of that crime is in that state. I-, I can't answer why New Jersey might treat that more seriously. I don't know. But in New York, it is. It's bub kisses, we Jews say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, anyway. You know, after all this and me being out of the house for 93 days, my own house that I own, which will be part of a one man play. I well, think. it
3: was 93 days, but it, more importantly, I think it was 2,700 texts to me. <laughs> That's the way I look at it.
2: <laughs> uh, well, you, well, on your show, you can talk about the 2,700 texts. <laughs> um, it, it was actually supposed to be until August, but the third time at trial, we got there and. Um, Uh, I had been out of my house 93 days, staying at a variety of people's houses, uh, sleeping on the bench at the bar, staying at you know, finally stayed at a friend's house who let me stay there for 45 days or so, and in the neighborhood, which was great because I got to see my son for dinner most days, and I got to go to my bar. But that will be one of the stories I tell in my store in my stand-up thing called 93 Days, because it's a very powerful story. And what happened was, like Frank said, disorderly conduct is a little more intense than a parking ticket. It's considered a violation. Uh, Anywhere a cop in America stops me in my car and looks at the computer, it's going to say, no, never been arrested, never committed a crime.
3: No criminal record. There's no criminal record. No criminal record. I don't know if it's going to say never arrested because that you were arrested. That doesn't come off the books. But there's no criminal conviction associated with this
2: has been arrested, aren't they going to want to know what I was arrested for?
3: They they could want to know all they want. They're not entitled to it. The fact that they might be curious oh, it's is locked. meaningless. It's, there's no public record of your case. Zero. Right. They will not have access to it. It'll right. come up no public record. Right. If you went on a computer now at a OCA, Office of Court Administration database, and searched your name, it would come up no public record because it was sealed. It's over. So never committed a crime. That's correct. That's Never Suff- convicted of any crime whatsoever.
2: Okay, so and at the very end, uh, my mate was not happy with that because she was like, you know, yelling all about, you know, all this stuff I was talking about before about how much I did and and how much I got away with, and it was only because I had a great lawyer. And I said, <laughs> she hey, said Dad. that or something like wow. that. I said, Wait, I said, what do you think? I'm O.J. Simpson? I got a, <laughs> uh, six lawyers and $12 million. I said, listen to me. And <clears throat> I've told this story in public before. I'm not ashamed of it. I said, there are two people whose job is to get me in trouble, the DA and the prosecuting attorney. My lawyer went to them with everything, the story, the pictures, the everything. And those people whose job it is to get me in trouble decided not to get me in trouble. And Frank did a great job with that, but it's not like Frank invented something. It, it's like, you know, he showed this guy, uh, these people, uh, stuff. They wanted to, you know, blah, 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 do worse and worse, and then it was like, you know what? I guess they realized, you know.
4: Well, they they decided that there was probably, uh, they couldn't convict him beyond a reasonable doubt or something, right? There was more to the case than met the eye. Okay. What came in with a certain
3: set of facts that were, relayed by the complaining, complaining witness to the police and to the prosecutor, turned out not to be the entire story. And when they got the entire story and they got a more clear picture of who was involved on both sides of the aisle, if you will, um, they determined that the interest of justice was best served by dismissing the criminal allegations against you and having you plead guilty to disorderly conduct, which essentially is admitting that you were kind of loud and boisterous and you know creating it's like admitting to having an argument a loud argument that's really what disorderly conduct well, is
2: well who brought in the extra stuff that won them over like well, she it, said he did this he did that he did that somebody else came and said wait a minute here's the whole story
3: who did <clears> that <throat> you're interviewing him
2: your so why should they take your word for it over her word
3: he has evidence
2: This This is interesting interesting to me. I don't know. I can be very
3: persuasive at times. I made him an offer he couldn't refuse.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) You showed them proof why she was being hysterical.
3: I explained to them what the case was really about. I offered a couple of witnesses. There was the subsequent problem that she had, the allegations against her, that caused them to rethink their position. And they decided enough is enough. Let's, Let's just end this. This is not worth... You know, we're not taking this guy to trial. We have a victim or a witness whose credibility maybe oh, isn't great. Let's just end this peacefully and let them go. It's not like you're a career criminal and there's a long history of it's allegations like you against you. You proved her
2: credibility wasn't great. Uh, you know. Well, we you do, threw we stuff do in. We, you threw stuff in. We do what we do. You know what I mean? You do what you do. Yeah. Right. All right. So that was the end of that. And, um, you know, we are not together, and we're not fighting th- because it's hard to uh, fight 3,000 miles away. So,
3: also there's no winner. So, what's the point? What's the fight about? There's, there's no, no winning winner. anymore.
2: There's no winner. We both lose.
3: Right. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, the, the, the prize is sitting across from you right here. That's the well, prize. Well,
2: I, I, in a way, I consider myself a winner because I get to live with my son. Yep. yep. You, you know, he's
3: freaking torture. <laughs> he's a pain in the ass, man. He is <laughs> such a pain in the ass. I know, I know. I, and... and you, you want know, me to rethink this whole situation, yo- <laughs> maybe?
2: <laughs> you're younger than me. You remember what it's like being 16, six years more than I do.
3: That's true. He knows every friggin' answer in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I got a 16, I have a 15-year-old too. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: All right, we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna ask you one question, and then I'm gonna read again to show you that I have an eighth grade reading level. <laughs> um, you did explain. I want to hear it again. What drove you? What do you think you would have been like as a lawyer, as a prosecutor? And why? What is the. What are your. What's your genetic makeup that made you not be a prosecutor? Uh, <laughs> why wouldn't you go that way?
3: Okay. So, my father, I'm growing up. My father's a criminal. All his friends are criminals. <laughs> He's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it does sound you know, It's out. a lot of
3: therapy sessions under my yeah. belt. Yeah. But, yeah, so... Me, so, you, and Woody Allen. So, <laughs> so you know, my, my idol is, is a criminal, and all of his friends, his idols are criminals and hoodlums, and the good guys are the lawyers that are getting them off. So how in my right mind would I want to be or could I pursue a career of prosecuting and putting people like my father in jail? I mean... It just didn't compute. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Never did. Um, you know, I chose the path that was the choice. It was like natural selection for me. You know, where else was I going with this career? I went to law school because I was too stupid to go to medical school. And I didn't want to be an accountant, which were the three choices for us Jews back then.
2: <laughs> All right. So so um, <laughs> when you have to, you, 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 it's a very famous murder a couple of years ago in New York City. Yeah. Where a kid Murdered an old Asian man. Oh yeah, he yeah. Stomped yeah. him because he was disrespected. He stomped him to death. Right in our neighborhood. Yep. And now, there, if you look at the news, there's got to be people, let's say the Asian community, with signs. They and, came
3: every day to court. His and, family and yet, came. And you're the biggest
2: piece of shit in the world.
3: I was up there. Yeah. Right. So yeah. You, you. But I was respectful to them. I always am to families of victims just, in court. You just you
2: just shut it out and shut it down and yeah. you you, stay, you know what your job is.
3: It's got nothing to do with me. I know they're angry. I know they want to kill the guy that I'm representing. They wish nothing but harm for him. I'm the guy who's trying to get that kid off or get him the best possible deal. So, of course, they're going to be angry at me. But I'm polite and respectful, and I'm not sticking their faces in it. I'm doing my job, and I'm doing it passionately and you- hopefully well. But it has nothing to do with them in terms of my interaction with my client. Like, it's it's not about them. And I make that clear to them. Like,
2: is it is it your sense of doing the best you can for your client, or is it is it something more majestic than that? It's a great question.
3: Well, I don't know how majestic it well, is. It's probably I mean. pretty selfish. Well, I it's mean,
2: very American. It's uh, it's, it's very that's nah, bullshit. It, for me, it's defend defend the people this, who need it the most. When I read this, you're going to s- take those words back.
3: Okay, uh, <laughs> you read very well for an eighth grade reading level. <laughs> No, so, you know, I'm that type A asshole personality that I want to win. I want to win for my client, even though he's, I mean, a despicable human being. I want to win. I want to win because the odds are against me, because it's a case that I'm supposed to lose. I want to win because I want to come out on top. It's got nothing to do with the Constitution. It's got nothing to do with, you know, flag wave. It's about me and my desire to do the impossible on a case like that where the crime is on video the whole fucking thing was on video and i have 12 jurors looking at it and they're cringing and they can't stand the sight of my client and they can't stand the sight of me because i'm the mouthpiece for this guy but i thrive in that environment (laughs) that's what i want
2: Wow. Takes all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's uh. That's who
3: you want in your corner, man.
2: I-, I thought you were a little more majestic than that. I was gonna. Yeah, uh, don't let looks look. Well, you. Well, listen to this. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm gonna read now. Di- you want me to read it?
3: No. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay. I have a 16th grade education. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. Go <laughs> Did John Adams defend the Boston Massacre soldiers? Eight soldiers, one officer, and four civilians were arrested and charged with murder, defended by lawyer and future American President John Adams. Six of the soldiers were acquitted, while the other two were convicted of manslaughter and given reduced sentences who defended the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre, John Adams. It was ironic that revolutionary John Adams took the job of defending the King's soldiers while loyal prosecutor Samuel Quincy of proving them guilty. Thomas Preston and the eight soldiers were to be tried separately according to the magistrate. That was kind of like what I was getting at. That uh, Not necessarily that you have to um, uh, associate with that history, mm-hmm. But the fact that that history exists, which is, which is, you know what? I don't want these scumbags. But this is what we, this is what we made. This is America. so, So
3: I was half kidding. You know, I said yes, I want to win. I want to win. But I wanted to win because I truly believe that kid was not guilty of murder, and the prosecutor would not plea bargain. They wouldn't negotiate. They wanted a sentence consistent with a murder conviction. And I truly don't believe that, as fucked up and heinous as that kid's actions were, that he intended to commit the crime of murder. He didn't have the intent to cause the death of that man. He caused the death, and he intended to hurt him, and he intended to hurt him badly. But there's a difference between intending to hurt and intending to kill. And while I thought he should have been given a plea to manslaughter, and that's what I argued to the jury, as it turns out unsuccessfully, um, I truly believe that kid didn't mean to kill him. And it's the difference between a sentence of... 25 to life, which you will end up doing at the end of the day, probably 30, 32 years, or on a manslaughter plea or conviction. How many
2: manslaughters are there?
3: There's two different degrees.
2: So couldn't he go for the worst degree of manslaughter?
3: Yeah, the worst degree is manslaughter in the first degree, which, I mean, not to get too technical, it's a violent felony in New York, a class B violent, which means there's a minimum sentence of five years and a maximum sentence of 25 Of which you will do 85%. That's on a man one, manslaughter in the first degree. He was charged with and ultimately convicted of murder. Murder carries a sentence of 15 to life minimum or 25 to life maximum, which means on his ultimate sentence of 25 to life, he'll end up doing close to 30, 35 years by the time the parole board. That's murder murder one? Murder one, murder two, yeah. Yeah,
2: he got convicted of murder one.
3: Uh, I don't remember if it was first or second degree. I want to say it was probably second degree. I don't think he was charged with murder one. Murder one wouldn't apply to him because so that, were, well, that's
4: were, premeditated or something. No, that, there's no. Not, that's that's a foul. So that's you, you a TV were, term. Oh, it's it's all okay. intentional.
3: The question is: is there torture involved? Is it a okay. contract so killing? Is it multiple homicides? Alone, everybody hated you. You were sitting. Everybody together. hated me, including my client. He did.
1: Yeah, he didn't like me. Right? He
3: thought I was an, <laughs> an asshole. He wanted me to say it wasn't him. He wasn't. Um, gi- you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah. His defense didn't mean anything to me in terms of what he wanted me to do because it was absurd. I was going for a, the only possible. What does that mean? The only possible defense. Are we getting the cut sign or
4: something? I'll come back.
2: No. Don't worry, I'll give you the cut sign. You'll know okay. the cut sign.
3: Yeah, yeah, so the only shot the first person in the
2: history of the world. <clears throat> Excuse me.
3: There's a cough button, you know. You no, can hit bu- that cough button over there.
2: <laughs> no, my man Bones, first person in the world, said I'm not loud enough. <laughs> Nobody ever complained that I'm not loud enough. Shit, now I've lost my question. Let me ask you, uh, the only
3: defense he had possibly was to for me to try to convince a jury he didn't mean to kill the guy. So So that was that we didn't win
4: so he was saying that his client hated him too because he wanted to give some absurd story about yeah I mean it was all cu- yeah alright
2: let's go through a, a few more Where are we and going? then a few more then we wrap it up um we're going to Anthony Mason ah what okay. happened New York Nick Anthony Mason my man my Mr. Man. Rothman took care of him what happened you got your haircut correct did he do? like Anthony Mason uh, What? The, are, what you a, the, are you a baseball fan at all I'm a Yankee fan. Oh, okay. Oh, we're going to do top five Yankees? Sorry. Well, right, wait, wait. Okay.
4: Sh- Sorry. I'm, I, that's Excuse all me, I care about. You know? I'm
3: an old Yankee fan, though. I haven't watched baseball in no, 25 I'm years. An old Yankee well, fan. yeah, that's true. Um, Mason, yeah, had a lot of arrests, a lot of issues with the law. Um, what type of
2: arrests? Arrests uh, is. His.
3: He had everything from when I first met him, it was assault on a cop. Um, in Times Square, supposedly dislocated a cop's shoulder. He's a
2: big dude, Anthony. Ma- Anthony Mason was like a was like a six eight rebounder. 6'9",
3: 260, but he was chiseled. Yeah, he was a. That's
2: what's his name's size on the Lakers.
3: LeBron. Yeah, yeah, he was a big boy. Mace was a big boy. Um, so he got arrested. The first case I had with him was you a, want to call s- a boy.
0: Felt
3: <laughs> <laughs> he was a big kid. Assault on a cop. Um, felony assault facing a lot of time in jail because at the time he had a prior gun conviction um, before he was in the league he got arrested in, in Queens and was caught with a gun he was he had a felony already so there was a lot at stake there he ended up, um, those charges basically ended up getting dismissed because long story short the cop, <laughs> it's a great story um, the cop ended up getting an attorney to try to shake Mason down for money to make the criminal case go away which is illegal and mason's civil attorney at the time reached out to me because i was representing mason and said what do we do with this i said let me take this over so i took over the <laughs> negotiations and i uh basically basically we we ended up we did good <laughs> we got we got everything on tape we got everything on tape wow. that, it was like it was like
2: it was like the last card dealt was an ace <laughs> it was
3: unfucking real we got the cop the sergeant and his attorney on tape offering to falsify testimony in the grand jury for $100,000. Oh my God.
0: Yeah.
3: So that case went out the window.
2: Okay, so what happened? A few rap artists you. Uh, yeah, I've had some hip hop people
3: Mob Deep, <laughs> Havoc from Mob Deep, Foxy Brown, um, yeah. Ghostface that, Killer many years ago. Ghostface That's from, the Wu Tang Camp. That was yeah. many Wu-Tang. years ago. Many Wu-Tang. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All good guys. <laughs> really good guys. Love them. Really, they're smart. Havoc, Mob Deep, nice. One what, of the nicest. What type kids
2: ever. Of, was it all similar, like drug kind of things? Why would you say it was drug kind of things? Uh, with
0: hip hop.
3: No, it was not drug kind of things. At least pop. <laughs> nah, it was like DWI crap. Really? You see, what happens with a lot of these guys in the music industry, athletes? There's always there are always females who are looking to latch on because of the promise to be in a music video, for example. And so when they end up sleeping with the individual and they don't get put in the music video and they get kicked out of the room the next morning, they get really pissed off and they cry rape. And that's what happened to a bunch of these guys. And fortunately, we were able to show that it was all bullshit. And all of those cases got dismissed. Mason had a million cases that got dismissed like that.
2: It's like using... it's it's it's. Using and abusing stuff that it actually happens out there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You
3: know? It detracts from l- legitimate claims.
2: Mm-hmm. We're gonna do this little baseball thing out of respect to my pal over here, bullpen Betty. We had something online that people were asking, and it's 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 a it's like a fun radio question, but it's uh, really kind of stupid. Because you're talking about a team that's uh, over 100 years old that has had about 4,000 good players and about 250 unbelievably great players. And you're saying, who's the top five?
4: And the game is so different now than it was...
2: But it, I, I don't, I just, you know what I do with that stuff in football, basketball? Yeah, how do you level the playing field? I, I just level the playing field. <laughs> okay. I level it because otherwise you're talking about like the mound, you're talking about basketball, you're talking about a uh, 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 six foot five uh, power forward back in 1966, you know, uh, six foot ten, 11 now. Right. And, and now it's a, p- a perimeter three point, what's his name? Um,
3: Steph Curry. Clay yeah. Thompson. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: Clay. Tied the record yesterday. Yeah. Ten three pointers in a pointers row. In yep. row to start the game. Wow! And he hit. 11, they didn't have three pointers back in the 12. day, right? Well, they went back and forth with three pointers. You you weren't allowed to to dunk in, in college basketball. Oh, right. So it's like I just take it all. You know, like Will Chamberlain was really the only giant monster. You know, there were a couple of other big guys, but you know, I take it all. You have, to, you have to level the playing field, okay. otherwise you're talking about different sports. Right, so who was great at the time that they played? So we talked about the five great, this is stupid, because I could pick 10 into the five easy, mm-hmm. but, but you yeah, know, this is like, I'm in an arm bar, pick five, mm-hmm. okay? So five greatest Yankees, bullpen betty, go.
4: You Oh, you want my opinion? I want your opinion. What
2: did that mean? You're five greatest Yankees: Bullpen Betty, Go. <laughs> Wait, what, do you, what do you think that meant? <laughs> uh, University of Michigan.
4: So the so, well, I mean, it, it, it's pretty right. So you've got Babe Ruth. That's one. You doing
2: five to one or one to five?
4: <laughs> I'm going to do one. Just and uh, one. I mean, so because he, he's just Babe throw a Ruth. Couple names out. Listen, listen. Next week you can Babe change Ruth. your mind. I okay, promise. Okay, next thank week you. you change your mind. Luke Gehrig. Okay. Then Mickey Mantle. Okay. Then. Yogi Berra, because mm-hmm. he's Yogi. And then I'm going to throw a curveball in there, and I'll tell you why. Reggie Jackson. Whoa! What? Curveball? Richard Where'd can't hit, hit curveballs. <laughs> Why'd
0: <Where'd laughs> you just
2: hit me over the head with a mallet?
4: So Reggie Jackson and I have the same birthday. Oh, that's a really
2: good thing. Well, that's important, yeah.
4: Of course, he's a yeah. little older. That, and that just
2: gave Bullpen Betty so much so much Isn't that uh, great
4: and then and when I first ever went to a baseball game in my life my father brought me and it was you know the Reggie Jackson years so you
2: want to hear a great story Jake and his friends know where all the teams basketball and baseball hang out and sometimes they go to the hotels Reggie walked out I got a picture of Reggie and Jay
5: yeah,
3: right
2: oh we got a picture there he is uh, Reggie, mr. October Reggie's not mr.
3: happy Go. No, I heard he's kind five of Five best pinned. Yankees of all time. How about I just give you my favorite Yankee? I mean, five best, oh, it's they're pretty right, easy right, to the five right.
2: best. No, it's not. It's not? All right. In order, you know. Go ahead, give me one. Give me whatever you want. You're the star of the show. Mariano yeah. Rivera. Okay. Okay. I could see In that. part
3: because he was the greatest ever in terms of, you know, pitching. What he did. Um, but also because I happened to end up on a snorkeling trip with him, <laughs> and he and I became friends. Wow. Wow we bonded over acl surgery he was rehabbing his torn acl at the time and i was on vacation with my family and we were on the small chartered boat going snorkeling and nobody had the balls to talk to him although we all know who he was and i was literally six feet from the guy and i just looked at him and i said how's the knee and he said not bad it's okay i said like what did they use on your knee a patellar tendon a donor graft a hamstring and he looked at me and he goes like how do you know about this we started talking about my knee injuries, which I've had several, his knee injury. And uh, and it ended up, the end of the conversation, the thing I'll never forget about it was he asked me how I did mine. And I told him, you know, playing basketball, rec, rec leagues, that kind of stuff, and that I've had six knee surgeries. He, yeah, he, you got to spend. Stop spending so much time on your knees, <laughs> or get knee pads. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're kidding each other about you know uh, injuries, and uh, I keep coming back, and he keeps coming back, and he looked at, at me and out loud he said, "Frank, that's the thing about guys like us. We can't go out injured." <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at everybody in the boat and did you hear Mariano just said, guys like us, me and him. I, 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 and we ended up in the water together looking at sea turtles or whatever the hell are we were looking I, at. I don't
4: imagine you'd ever have to defend Mariano Rivera. No, no, no. He's
3: a religious guy, but <laughs> yes, just I've the, one of the nicest guys I've a, ever met. A, yeah. Like
2: Bernie Williams. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And the musician and I Bernie think Williams. Aaron Judge is going to be like Yes. That.
4: Well, he already is. Well, oh yeah, but you think he's too young. Well, he's maybe, not, maybe maybe he'll turn to the dark right, side.
2: Right. No, but you know what? If I had that story, he'd probably be number one. Mariano, to me, is either number six or number eight or number seven it was like, yeah. like Jeter is in is in there mm. but if I had to pick now I'm picking people from 1910 that All I right. never saw yeah. so you never saw? I'm gonna <laughs> 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 excuse me how did you graduate that university? <laughs> what did you do cheat on someone else's test? <laughs> so um, Jake you wanna go with uh, do you have a top five Yankees or the favorite Yankee or second favorite or Maybe just the ones you've seen or yes, read about. Yes, let's hear from the the youth. It could be the seen or today. read about or
5: whatever. Um. Yeah. So I mean, my would have to be kind of modern because I I would mainly go on who I saw. Um, uh, okay, that's that's fair. good. I like that. Sure. Let's so, go. number one would have to be Jeter. Um. Number two would have to be Mariano Rivera. Uh. Number three would have to be, Aaron Judge, um. Just because of, you know, like. I I saw him play and I'll, he's just like I feel like he's gonna be something bigger. Yeah, hope so. Being that doesn't get bigger. everyone thinks that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, number four. Um, like this is my favorite Yankees. All right. Um, whatever it is, it is number four. I have to go with Mickey Mantle, and we're gonna go back for that one. Um, number five.
3: Just number say Roy five, white. <laughs> like, Who's that? <laughs> Horace Clark. Um, right.
5: Damn, my, my number five would either be between a modern one or an old one. Um, so probably Babe Ruth or, um, uh, A. rod. No. Yeah, right? no. Uh, um, <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Austin, but he got Tyler traded. Austin. Wow. So, uh, the reason why I love Tyler Austin is because I just love the way when he played. And how he got into so many fights too. Uh, oh, he was he was a beater, man. Especially with the Red Sox, yeah. Because when when uh he, he got a pitch thrown at him. He just kind of stared down the pitcher and then started running at him. And he kind of like threw his bat and he went to go punch him and he missed. And then uh, it, they just got into a brawl. And that was during the Red Sox game. And he just kept giving dirty looks. And I just liked him as
2: a player. That, that was well, a good. Now we go to ice hockey. <laughs> 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 That's good. I like it. Like you, you did mix in old timers. And I'm going to go now with uh, not the opinion, but uh, the, this the is fact. a fact. <laughs> we're going to start. We're going to start at number five. I'm going to take a guy who, I, for some reason, I don't really like him. But from what I read about him, if he played in Fenway Park, he would have hit 1,000 home runs. And he was a phenomenal fielder and a phenomenal everything. And he was one of those guys that went into the Army, like in the middle of his career, like Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio. Plus he banged uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Okay, so that's five. Number four, my favorite Yankee of all time, Mickey Mantle. And the only reason he's not higher up, is because it's not his fault it's because of all the injuries mm-hmm. okay from first from fr- on the left side of the plate f- to first base when he came up as a 19 year old kid with his 18 inch neck 200 pounds six foot tall he was the fastest man in baseball to first base okay so he was blazingly fast he would strike out people would pay to see him strike out people would pay that to see that man swing and when he connected a ball was in outer space. So he's my my favorite Yankee of all time. But I gotta put him number four. I gotta put Yogi Berra number three, because he was five foot seven. He was a bad ball hitter. Like like what's his name on uh, Montreal? Um, um, uh, yeah, who used to be on the Yankees? No, on Montreal. He's at Mon- oh Montreal. He's at Mon- they had a nickname for him. Um, anyway, a bad ball hitter. He throw something low and outside. He he'd sweat. He hit he hit everything. Okay. First of all, he's a catcher. He's he's taking care of the whole pitching staff. He's catching, blocking home plate, throwing guys out at second base. He's a catcher, one hundred fifty games a year. Right? Hit won like two MVPs.
3: Vlad Guerrero.
2: You are the best. I fucking love you. I love my uh, my man, Ricky Bones. Just came up. Vlad Guerrero. Vlad was a bad ball hitter. Mm. Now. <laughs> that's what i love about yogi and uh, correct me if i'm wrong i might be mixing up the um boston celtics but i think i know yogi has 10 rings it might be in 13 or 14 years i think the celtics might have 11 rings in like 13 years it's one of those things but here's the thing he has 10 world series rings as a catcher that's like a shortstop okay mm-hmm. so that's you know and he swears Jackie Robinson was out at home plate he went nuts (laughs) he went he went as nuts as what's his name from Kansas City with the with the Brett Brett, Brett. and and number two and number one I gotta go look I never saw Lou Gehrig but his numbers were insane different game but he's Lou Gehrig and number one it, it is no doubt about it there's no question anyone who doesn't say Babe Ruth is an idiot Babe Ruth carried, after the Black Sox scandal. first of all, he yeah. carried the game on his back. Supposedly, according to what I read, which I don't know if it's true, that he was doing some stuff that might have hurt the game and destroyed the game, but they sh- hushed it up and put the game on his back, and he carried it. Frank home run Baker had 16 home runs, and then Babe Ruth had, like, 59, okay? Also held the record as the best player as the best pitcher in the World Series he mm-hmm. <laughs> was, was like the best pitcher and the best hitter ever so there's no doubt about it it's like it's like the Elvis Presley of you know it's just like that that majestic powerhouse um, for iconic s- for guy. some
3: reason I just I thought maybe you were going to say and hopefully you'll remember this you'd have on high on your list the two Yankees in the 70s that swapped wives remember oh, that
4: oh
2: yeah I remember uh, that I heard
4: that I, story Fritz Peterson
3: and yeah, was it Mike Kickich?
2: Kekitz and Peterson, I think so. They swapped wives. Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, that's what people did in the 70s, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where, where does Jeter stand on your list, by the way? So, in the top 10... M- you, speaking from Michigan. Michigan. Oh,
2: he went to he Michigan.
4: Wore, no, no, he didn't go to Michigan. He's from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you often see him wearing Michigan gear. Yeah, um, uh, Jeter and Rivera...
2: Jim Abbott went to Michigan. Hold on. Jake. Jake Manitoba is my son. Please tell them your middle name. Koufax. Uh, I could have named nice. him Jake Mantle, Manitoba. But there's something about the greatest left-handed pitcher, Jew, <laughs> Brooklyn, New York, starting guard for the University of Cincinnati. When it came down to it, I love Mickey Mantle. And I mean, no disrespect as a recovering you-know-what. Uh, Mickey killed himself with that shit. And, but he was a you know a country boy from Commerce, Oklahoma, and a Brooklyn Jewish kid who was, uh, who was the essence of class. I had a name, my kid Koufax. <clears throat> I love Sandy Koufax, I love him. All right, so that's about it, except for, this is what we do at the end of the Manitoba program. We do a few questions and you have no time to think. <laughs> so you, this should be easy for you. Fuck. So
0: Frank,
2: <laughs> Frank Rothman, you know, like, I, I did this with uh, every, everyone I interviewed, like when I used to work at radio, like like Alice Cooper, and they was like, oh shit. These are, these are fun, stupid, silly, quick questions. Let's rumble. You have one, two seconds to answer each other. You go can't ahead. go like this. Okay. Okay, I'm going to ask him fast. Ready? Frank Rothman, attorney for Handsome Dick Manitoba. Toilet paper, over or under?
3: Doesn't matter.
2: You got to pick one. Over. Over. Something wrong with you. <laughs> you might not know this one. This is The Warriors, the movie, or Richard Price's first book, and it was made into a movie, The Wanderers from the Bronx. Warriors or wanderers? Wanderers. My man, I love you. Tuna fish salad or egg salad? Tuna. Pastrami or corned beef?
3: I'm vegetarian, but it was corned beef. I'm vegetarian now. You're gay? (laughs) Bisexual.
2: (laughs) You're not vegan, are you? (laughs) No. Oh, thank God. So it was corned beef? It was corned beef, yeah. So what do you do when you go to Katz's? I don't go to Katz's anymore. (laughs) I got a potato canish.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Rolling Stones or Beatles? Beatles. Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck or Jimmy Hendrix? Clapton. The Godfather part 1 or part 2? Oh fuck. <laughs> that's a tough one. <sighs> that's cuz to me they're tied. 2. Wow. It's that's That's, that's yeah. a bold choice. Baseball, football, basketball or ice hockey?
3: Basketball, no brainer.
2: Oof. Boxing or UFC or professional wrestling?
3: Oh, I can't choose that. Come on, I grew up on professional wrestling. I was a boxing. Way too much time. Sorry, UFC now.
2: Bridget Bardot or Marilyn Monroe?
3: <laughs> Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like blondes.
2: Oh, God. You don't like blondes. do well, like Marilyn blondes. Monroe. Wasn't you, really. You blonde. don't like well. a a goddess? <laughs> <chick-sagattus?
3: laughs> I have a chick I'm married to a a goddess.
2: <laughs> I know she's a beautiful woman. She's a but brunette, th- but. But ba- Marilyn Monroe in the early pictures was brown hair. Oh, not right. Marilyn Monroe, Bridget Bordeaux had brown hair. They both hair. had brown hair. Oh, okay. But anyway, if you see like a stunning. Derek
3: Jeter? Where are we going with that? <laughs> We're if off you the see Yankees like now. A stunning
2: Shiksa <laughs> goddess with blonde hair. There's no like beam of light on her? No, it?
3: no. Just not me. Sorry.
2: Wow. Uh, can't do it. Okay, how about this? Bridget Bordeaux, Marilyn Monroe, or Haystacks Calhoun? <laughs>
3: 601 pounds from Morgan's Corner, Arkansas, Haystacks, Calhoun.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, my very special (laughs) guest, my very special guest is Frank Rothman, lawyer in New York City. If you're in trouble and you need help, call Frank Rothman. Do you want to leave a a website or, you know, anything? Just Google me. The Lower East Side Lawyer. You'll see the website. The Lower East... And the... And the FrankRothman.com. And fuck you, Frank Rothman. You got to watch that 20-minute um. Yeah, Dr. it's on Mechel. Vimeo.
3: But you probably need the password. So come to my website. Call me. I'll give you the password.
2: And the website is? FrankRothman.com. FrankRothman.com. I'm telling you, this is the man. He will give a shit about you. He will work his ass off I'll give two you. shits about you. Not just one shit. I'll give two shits And about Frank, you. You, you were great... It was like uh, very natural, very wonderful having you here. Thank you for coming. My pleasure. To You Don't Know Dick. Well, I feel like I do know Dick now. Bullpen Betty, I'll see you next week. Thank you. We'll see Jake you. Koufax, thanks for stopping by. I'm Handsome Dick Manitoba, the world's greatest entertainer. This brings to an end, to a conclusion, another episode in the amazing adventures of You Don't Know Dick.
0: I'm the Super King of New York City.